return this week to see the Blues returning to winning ways. Ellen White produced another masterclass as Birmingham City saw off Arsenal at Damsland Park. We get reaction from manager Mark Skinner as well as a brief chat with Megan Sargent coming up. Welcome back to another episode of the Great Since 68 podcast. It is episode 28 and I'm joined as always by Chris Pugh. How are you tonight, Chris? I'm good, thank you, Craig. Yourself? Yeah, I've not been too bad, thank you. We're also joined by another special guest this week. She is a Birmingham City ladies season ticket holder and a massive supporter of the team. She is Kaz Smith. How are you tonight, Kaz? I'm good, thank you. It's nice to have you on the show. How are you, Kaz? How are you, Rich? (laughs) We'll open this week's show then by chatting about something that Chris has been up to over the last week. Chris uh, recently was asked by a listener on his other podcast, the Tilton Talks show, to do a charity penalty challenge with the Birmingham City ladies goalkeeper and Katrin Berger after what she's been through. Uh, I think it was £100, Chris, was it about that? It was, yeah. Yeah, he pledged £100 for Chris to take a penalty against our formidable goalkeeper and to try and save one himself. And I've got a clip of me commentating on the closing stages of that, which I will play for you now. And Chris has just struck the bar with his penalty. It was a very strong effort. And now he goes into the goal to face the penalty from Anne-Catherine Berger. Here we go. Arms out. He's trying to put her off here. She's trying to psych him out here. Repositions the ball onto the spot. Chris doesn't look perturbed, but he's on the line. Wobbly legs. She slots it past him. And to Chris Nil. So as that clip revealed, Chris, obviously what didn't go the best for you. Can you take it back through, uh, in your own words, what happened? Yeah, I uh, I blame Aoife, Aoife Mannion. I was waiting to take it. She was on the side of the pitch. And I was speaking to her and she just said, just hit it hard. We know what Anne's like. She's an exceptional goalkeeper. And everyone I spoke to said that she'll probably guess the way you're going anyway. So I just thought... Just hit it hard and you and you might get a bit of luck. Just a little bit too high, unfortunately. Yeah, you almost broke the bar off with how much power you put in that grip. <laughs> yeah, it was my intention to hit it quite well. Just a yard or so high. And then obviously you went in goal for the second one. Close to say that she'd done you there, Chris, by getting it straight in the corner. Absolutely no intention to move for that whatsoever, I've got to be honest. Why didn't you dive, Chris? <laughs> to be fair as well, she took it with a wrong foot as well. She took it with a left foot so, and she she put it smack bang in the corner. So, um, yeah, fair play to her. Obviously, massive thanks to her and the club for, for letting me do it. And, you know, £100 charity, so everybody wins except me. Kaz, did you stay to watch it or were you gone by this point? Uh, I did actually stay, but I missed it. Oh, no. What? I was, talk- I was talking to Beth Mead. We'd just seen it hit the bar. And we were like, oh, I've missed it. <laughs> as much as we joke about it, um, you know, the, the the fact that I was able to take it, uh, you know, and, and go in golf one as well, all, all for charity. So, you know, it was, a, it was a brilliant experience. And again, thanks to, thanks to Anne, Mark and, and the club for, for letting me do it and, and getting it sorted. We'll move now on to the game from this past Sunday and it was a tremendous win for Birmingham City. It was a 3-0 win over Arsenal. It was the first time we've beaten Arsenal by this margin in the WSL history, which is phenomenal. Obviously, it was an Ellen White hat-trick that got the win for the Blues. There was assists for Marissa Ewers, Emma Follis and Rachel Williams in this. 
Blues took the lead thanks to a great ball over the top from Marissa Ewers that Ellen White took it early, Chris, and she put it into the back of the net. A brilliant ball through from, from Marissa, swept through the lines and, and Ellen's onto it in a flash like she has been, you know, all of 2018 really. She's she's playing on that last shoulder of the Spence, always looking to get in behind. And I think it's how quickly she's taken the shot that's caught Van Veen and Dahl out a little bit. Um, I think she'll... She'll look at that and be a little bit disappointed. I think it bounced before it went in the net. So, you know, for it to lobber from there, um, I think she'll be a little bit disappointed looking back. But all credit, Ellen, making the run and, and getting the shot away early. And it's caught Van Veen and Dahl out and, and given us a, a, a dream start, really. The fact that she's taken on from that sort of distance, um, Kaz, is obviously shows how confident Ellen is at the moment. Yeah, not only that as well. Ellen's like a world-class striker. Like Everybody's banging on about Frank Kirby at the minute. And when you see the stats this season, it's like I don't understand why people haven't picked up on Ellen. Yeah, yeah that's uh, that's right. She's had, I think it's 13 goals now in about 11 games, which is top scorer in the league. As you say, it's it's hard to see how you can see past Ellen at the moment for goals. Yeah, especially when you look at like Arsenal's team as well. Like Every player is like an international player. For us to come away with the win as well against that quality, I was really happy with the result. Then we went to the second goal for the Blues. It was a great move from Emma Follis. She turned the defender, took it past her, played it into the near post, and Ellen White finished as she did, Chris. Yeah, um, I have to say, you take yourself back to an eight- or nine-year-old child and, and you dream of playing football and being a tricky little winger when you're young. That's That, that move from Emma, you know, she did it a couple of times during the game, but you know, to, to create a goal from it is, is absolutely perfect. It's exactly what we want from Emma. She looked, she looked fit. She looked confident the whole way through. Um, and that build-up to that second goal was, you know, was, was just summed up how, how effective she was on the day and how much she troubled the Arsenal back four, beating Louise Quinn at that moment for the second goal. You know, a, a bit of skill, dropped the shoulder, gave herself a, a, a couple of yards and whipped in a brilliant cross and, you know, once again, like Kaz said, Ellen, she's been in that form all of 2018, really. Well, all, all season, you know, considering she was out for two and a bit months of it. Playing on that on that last shoulder on the edge, you know, expecting the ball to come in and getting in the right area. And she finished really well again. Yeah, absolutely. And not only that, but Emma Follis has really come into her own this season. As the season progresses, the more she's playing... In that front four that we have, it's obviously really working wonders for her and she's getting that confidence that she had at Reading and the goals are likely to come if she continues to do this, guys. Yeah, uh, Emma's, I think, been like a quality player since coming back from injury. I think we were all hoping she could bring what she brought for, to Reading to, to us and obviously she's doing that at the minute and her running over the weekend was absolutely superb. I thought, uh, from an Arsenal perspective, Chris, it looked like we we really kept kept them out well to, uh, this weekend. Obviously, I thought Beth Mead had a decent game, but she didn't really get that many chances to actually get one-on-one. And the ones that she did were given to her by mistakes by her own team. Yeah, like you say, I think you know, we, we were talking about this after the game and Kaz mentioned it. It's a, it's a team full of international players. You know, you, you look at the bench, you look at... You look at people who didn't even make the bench, and there's there's household names all around that squad. You know, but for for a midfield, uh, t- two players I rate massively in Jordan Nobbs and Kim Little. You, you wouldn't even honestly, you wouldn't even know they were playing. 
you know, and, and that is full credit to not only our midfield of, of Hayley and Marissa, but every single what, one to 11. You know, we defended from the front. If it did get to Jordan and Kim Little, then they didn't have a lot of time to do anything with it. They had a lot of possession in the back line. You know, we were we were happy for them to to pass it along the back four. But as soon as it got into into their front six, if you like, then we were on to them and, and we didn't give them a moment's peace. And like you say, I think the, the biggest worry that I can think of throughout the whole game was was Anne's poor clearance that, that, that she gave it straight to Beth. But but thankfully she, she recovered and, and nothing happened from it. I think back to some of the times we've played Arsenal and, and you've had to applaud the likes of Nobbs and Little for for what they've done and they've run the game at times and won the game for Arsenal against us. But, you know, th- this 11 that we put out there, they, they didn't give them a sniff. Arsenal, um, they were a bit like us against Yeovil, really. They had a lot of shots, but not to that degree. They had 13 shots with only three of them on target. But unlike in the Yeovil game, I suppose, Birmingham had nine shots, but seven on target. We were much more clinical in this game and it showed on the scoreline. Yeah, and it's, again, it's that's what Ellen White being up front does for you, you know. The Yeovil game is a, you know, it's looking like a, one of those weird anomalies every year where you you have loads of chances and, and can't quite make it count. But, you know, Ellen is is a lethal finisher. Um, you know, like Kaz said, she's... She's top of the scoring charts in the WSL, and you know she she should really be considered as as England's main number nine at the moment. And you know she's taking chance after chance. You know nine shots, seven on target, and and three goals. You, you mentioned Arsenal shots. I I can't remember Anne making a worldie. Did they have three shots on target? I think. Yeah, that's the right. Yeah, thing. and I I don't think any of them were were particularly top draw saves. They were all pretty regulations. Again, credit to the every one of them, one to eleven, for, for the way they played. Absolutely, and Birmingham could have increased their lead from the penalty spot. Emma Follis was brought down by Daniel Carter, who just come on from the substitutes bench, which was a nice introduction for her to the game. Obviously, when Eva was stepping up, Kaz, you were expecting it to hit the net. She looked a bit nervous taking it, but there was a discussion in the stand why wasn't Ellen taking it, obviously to get a hat trick, but. She's our penalty taker, but I think the goalkeeper had it covered. Obviously, she's a world-class goalkeeper as well. She obviously uh, pictured where the ball was going to go because she moved quite quickly and she obviously got got into position quite well for it. But that moment didn't dampen Birmingham's hopes of getting a third goal and they got one from Ellen White. Rachel Williams controlling the ball in the midfield and then a lovely ball over the top and Ellen White finishes with one of the best chips I've seen in a long while, Chris. Again, that that's that confidence word again. You know, she's she's absolutely flying, and you know every chance that falls to her, she's disappointed if it doesn't end up in the back of the net at the moment. Lovely ball over the top from Rachel again, who I thought was was really really good again. You know, over the last month or so, her energy, her work rate, you know, which which is always a hundred percent. You know, it, it's always she's always non-stop, Rachel. You know, it's it's causing teams a lot of problems because. You know we're hassling them so much. She's she's dropping into. She can drop a little bit deeper into to make it a three-person midfield if, um, with Haley and Marissa if needs be, and it gives us a lot more pressing opportunities because, like I said, she's so hustle and bustle and non-stop. She she was excellent again, and and that ball over the top was, was inch perfect. And like you say, another brilliant finish. And 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 from then on, it, it, it's it's game management. See the game out, and, and we did that. 
Yeah, absolutely. And as you say, with Rachel, the energy that she has, as I think we brought up last week, as someone who works long hours doing plastering, and then she still has the energy to do that on a Saturday, well, on a Sunday, is just unbelievable. As uh, someone who works long hours, and I know both of you probably do as well, the idea of playing football and having that much energy to run 90 minutes consistently and then put in performances like Rachel is unbelievable, Kaz, isn't it? It is. I think she's like one of our unsung heroes in our squad. Everybody notices like certain players, but like I think Rachel's work rate and everything goes under the carpet type thing, if you know what I mean. Why isn't she getting a call up for England? Why is like certain players who don't even play like her or anything getting the team? It's just like it baffles me some days how Rachel's not like at top of the list of everything. I see the way Phil Neville seems to have set the stall out with England, if you like. You know, we Against Wales and Bosnia, we, we haven't exactly looked like we're going to be this free-scoring animal. And, and someone like Rachel, like I said, the, the way we play with that two midfield pivot and the four up front, when Rachel drops a little bit deeper, you know, it gives us so many more options and, and she's got that energy to burst through the lines to make it a front four and or, or a front two even You know, when she's supporting Ellen. And she's all over, she's left and right, which gives Emma and Charlie the freedom to move around as well. I agree with Kaz. I think I think she is someone that, that, that would be in would be in England reckoning. And I don't know whether it is the fact that she's you know, she's got another job and she's not the perfect England international, if you like. You know, she's she's a little bit mouthy at times. She can get a little bit frustrated during the game, but certainly she her her ability and, and what she's shown over the last couple of months. I wouldn't be surprised, obviously, because because I, I think England see her her time has gone, unfortunately. But, you know, if she was called up, it'd be fully deserved for me. As someone who's in arguably the twilight of the career, she's still putting in performances arguably as good as her best season. She's not getting the goals that she was when she was considered the out-and-out striker back when she was first with Blues. But It's a different role, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it's a different role. And, and she even considers herself a midfielder as opposed to a striker. I spoke to manager Mark Skinner after the game and here are his thoughts on the match. Big win, Mark. 3-0 over Arsenal. One of the teams who have great history in this league and obviously have won the League Cup already this season. What did you think of the performance overall today? I thought that we were excellent. I thought that look, there were periods where Arsenal had possession, but I think we came in, we worked out roughly about 60% possession for us in the first half. And we were trying to carve them open. In top games, you're always going to have chances at both ends I thought theirs were limited to be honest I don't think Anne's had she had a couple of scoops to make and one-on-ones but it was comfortable in her favour so I don't think they've really opened up so they might be based on what they need for their final that might be in their back of their mind but take nothing away from us today we've had a penalty and we've missed it could have been four the most pleasing thing is another clean sheet Hopefully I'm starting to show people at Birmingham and, and around the country just where we're heading with this team and the right investment, we can go a lot further. 13 goals now for Alan this season. Fantastic record given that she's been out for three months. We've run out of um, superlatives to, uh, for Ellen. She's just had a great season. It's probably her best season in her, in her career so far. What can we really say about how well she's played again today? I'm not surprised because actually I see how hard she works in training. But... And again, I'll give Ellen all the credit because she's the one at the end finishing. But if these girls don't do the work for us, she doesn't get those opportunities. And Ellen White's got that quality. That's why I signed her. I knew this ever since I was watching at Notts County, uh, when she was at Leeds even. And I knew she had that quality. It's just about giving her the right support and the right movement patterns. And look, that's credit to the coaching team for what they've done as well. Because actually, look at all the other teams and look at where she's been before. And this is her highest scoring season. 
So I think that shows you, especially in the league, that shows you just what we're doing with her in the training facilities as well. So all really pleased for her, but I'm going to bring it back to the team as well because without them she wouldn't have the goal she's got. Another one who played particularly well, I think, today was Emma Follis. She's constantly running at the defence and obviously beating players and she set up for the goals today. What do you think she's done? Is it just getting more fitness that's got her back to this level? It's more mental fitness as well as physical fitness. She's got to a point now, Emma, where she believes in herself again. I saw that. I've known her since she was at Aston Villa as a, as a baby. I've always wanted to have her in my teams and she just needs consistency now. If she can keep that consistency up, but look, she can threaten and play for England. Like That's... that's the quality she has but she has to she has to persevere in a consistency and if she gets that she'll who knows where she can end up coming up next is Chelsea it's obviously another tough test obviously they beat us soon I think it was last time is there anything you saw in that game that we can improve on to the next time when we everything, play against everything we were awful it's the worst game that and Sunderland I've said is our worst game we didn't lay a glove on them we'll be aiming to lay a glove on them this time you know Chelsea are a great team but you know what, with every great team, you can't test them if you don't do anything. And we will try to test them. So look, we're going to go to try and take the result. That's what we want. We want the result. So we're going to hunt them and try and get the result and be better than we were last time. So we have three games left in the league for us then. Arsenal have Manchester City, Sunderland and Bristol in their final three matches. Blues have Chelsea, Everton and Reading. Still plenty of time to get third, which would be our best finish since 2014. What do you think our chances are? Obviously, Arsenal have got tough games against Man City and we obviously have Chelsea and Reading coming up. Do you think we're still going to shot or do you think it's just out of reach at the moment? It's in our hands at the minute. Chelsea aren't the goal-scoring machine that they have been at the start of the season. So, obviously, with our back four, we haven't conceded in the last, I think, five or six games. Six, I think, yeah. At this precise minute, I don't see why we should be fearing anybody we've beaten Liverpool we've beaten Man City we've beaten Arsenal there's just Chelsea to take off that list now and then we've beaten the top big four as they like to call themselves Arsenal are two points ahead of us at the moment but they've played the same amount of games Reading have played one more game than us so obviously we can leapfrog them with our game in hand it's going to be a tight race for third obviously the first two places arguably are sewn up now if Manchester City get the win their games in hand because they've got two games in hand on us but with the running they're going to get tired and with their small squad you you don't know what's going to happen I think Mark spoke about going for third and there's absolutely no reason why we couldn't finish third you know we've got like Kaz said our, our defensive record is quite frankly ridiculous you know having conceded in the last six and nine out of our last ten league games have been clean sheets and that's 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 an astonishing feat and the, and the one that wasn't was was Chelsea at home. Chelsea are playing an FA Cup final four days before us. Um, they've played a lot of football recently, which they they like to keep telling everybody about. Um, the fact that they've had all these fixtures. I've seen it in men's football, and now it's creeping into the women's, You know, especially with Man City and Chelsea. The, the more you keep telling people about how tired you are, how tired your players are, the more it's going to look like it. You know, and it it can seep into those players, you know, even if they're not actually that tired. It's embedded in their mind then that actually we've played a lot of football. You know, maybe maybe a one 0 win will do today because actually we've played a lot of football. You know, and it's that it's that mentality. And you know, Chelsea away is the toughest fixture in the league for me. But like has said, we shouldn't go there fearing them. <laughs> you know, that they should be going into that game thinking, how on earth get past this defence? And then, like you say, Everton away. 
it won't be on the witness pitch, so that's certainly winnable. And then Reading at home on the last day of the season at St Andrews, hopefully in front of a packed stadium, that's winnable as well. And realistically, budget-wise, if we finish fourth, we're, we're the best of the rest, if you like. And, and it's something to aim for next season then, you know, we, we want to keep going and progressing and, and finish higher next season. I would definitely agree. Me and my other half worked it out that if we didn't lose a game to the end of the season, this was before the Oval game, we could potentially have finished second if Man City and Chelsea drop points. So, yeah, I think next season could be a big season for our club, especially if we keep the team that we've got as well. The BBC were like trying to say that Ellen could go anywhere she wanted, but yet she's still in contract for another season and a half. So, And I think, and I think the main thing is that she's happy and she's playing arguably the best football she's played all her career. And, and there's no reason why she would want to move because I think her family are based in around Nottingham area. Yes, yeah. they are. So you, you don't want to be travelling from there to Manchester or London every day. So I think I think she's happy. You only have to look at the, the, the last 10 games as well. I'm absolutely certain Ellen could play up front for a Chelsea or a Man City or an Arsenal. Absolutely no doubt about that. But actually, we're the form team, you know, in, in this division. Everybody's looking at us going... My God, they've beat Liverpool 4-0. They've comfortably dispatched Bristol and, and away and Sunderland at home. And then Arsenal come to us and we beat them 3-0. Who beats Arsenal 3-0? Not many teams. You know, why, why would Ellen move? If she's got a year left on a contract, let's go again next year and see if we can win the league. Winning the league at Blues would be so much more rewarding for an Ellen White or an Anne Katchenberger than it would be winning it for Man City or Chelsea. And that's the story you want to sell to them. You know, give us another year. Let's try and win the league next year. You've seen what we've done in the last 10 games. Let's go replicate it over the course of next season. I also had the chance to speak to defender Megan Sargent following Sunday's game. And here is that interview. You've really made that centre-back position your own this season alongside Aoife Mannion. As someone who's played at full-back in recent seasons, do you prefer playing in the centre? I think it's my strongest position, but I'm pretty confident playing across any side of the pitch, whether it's right-back to left-back or either or at centre-half, but it's definitely my strongest position and I feel more comfortable in there with what I was doing growing up and stuff, so yeah. You appear to have had an incredibly strong uh, friendship with Frida Easy in the team. You came here a year before she joined. Did you hit it off from the start when she joined? Uh, yeah, well, I knew her from Arsenal. was both at Arsenal Academy. Um, I left before she did. And then one training session I turned up, she sat in the change rooms, I was like, what are you doing here? But we, we've always been close friends, we've got that bond in the team and everybody can see it and it, I suppose it just brings up her good characters in the team with each other. Bring, brings morale up when you, yeah, when you get to spend time as well. Uh, troubled too. Nottingham Forest announced a formal partnership with the ladies team this week, similar to what Birmingham do. You played for Notts County, the rivals are obviously Forest. What impact do you think that will have on the city? Yeah, it was Lincoln when I went there. It's the first club I went to from Arsenal. I think it's a good move. It's good for them. You always like to see the girls being supported, so I think it will be really good and challenging for them. Kaz, how much has Megan impressed you in the heart of that defence this year? Massively. Obviously, I know Megan outside of football as well, and she's one of the best people you could ever want in your back for I think she doesn't put a foot wrong for me so yeah Megan's been like my outstanding player of the season yeah it's, it's really interesting that she's uh taken to that center role obviously she's played on the wings in previous seasons and I think she said in the interview it's it's the position she likes the most and she feels the most comfortable about and Chris it's really showing because her forming that partnership with Eva has been really good this season if you've got a good defensive structure, you've got a good centre-half partnership. And Megan and Aoife, I think they complement each other so well. You know, they're, 
they're both really good in the air. Megan in the air has been as you know she's come on no pun intended leaps and bounds. You know she she really has. She's her ability on the ball is getting better. Um, you know she's becoming she's becoming an excellent centre half and. And the biggest credit you can give to both her and Aoife is it's keeping Keris out of centre-back. You know, Keris has been a reliable centre-back over the last few years. And, uh, you know, she, she's been pushed out to left-back. You know, that might be her her favoured position anyway. But it was only when Megan ha- had the had the toe injury recently that Keris came back into centre-half and, and Paige was at left-back. But as soon as Megan's back fit, she's, she's back in the side alongside Aoife and Whenever people talk about Aoife for England to mark, you know, whenever anybody mentions that, he'll always say the both of them, Megan and Aoife. And I think that's that's testament to how far Megan's come over the last couple of years, and and she is now an, an integral part of that of that back too. Yeah, as you say, Kez has been put onto the onto the wing because of that. I don't think she'll appreciate the running that she has to do because of that. But, <laughs> but it's really working. And obviously, you, you, as you say, she's keeping Paige Williams out of the team. And she played really well uh, for a lot of this season when she's played as well. So we've got good uh, strength and depth in a lot of the defensive positions at the moment. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and that's important. You know, that there's been times over, over the last couple of years where you've looked at our bench and thought, I hope no one gets injured. But Megan had the toe injury. You know, she had to get that sorted. And when she did, Paige come in and, and did a it did a sterling job, you know. Mentioning Megan, she she's been her rise really over the last couple of years. In in line with a lot of people, you know, Jess Carter, Efa as well uh, has been terrific. And a credit to Mark and the coaching staff for for getting the best out of them. Absolutely. And we'll move on now to the news. And today, the club have opened the voting for moment of the season and supporters player of the season. So we got a few responses on Twitter about this, the moment of the season. Chris Freville has put his moment was, for me, it was beating Manchester City 2-0 and finally ending their really long unbeaten run. As Chris said, it was a 19-game unbeaten run. It was a phenomenal moment to beat Man City, obviously a few days after losing out in the FA Cup game. Another moment, Steve Wright put seeing Anne Katrinberger back in goal. Absolute inspiration. They're two of the moments, obviously, who they're being picked by the club. Uh, the, mo- the moments uh, the club have chosen were Anne Katrinberger's return from her cancer surgery, Manchester City's first defeat, that 2-0 win, thanks to Ellen White. Also, Aoife, Anne and Ellen in the PFA Team of the Year for the WSL 1. Jess Carter's debut for England. And a personal one of mine was Marissa Ewer's FA Cup goal, which I thought was a really good moment to cap off that day when Anne, Anne returned to action. First, Kaz, what what do you think your moment of the season's been so far? There's been so many. Well, I did miss the Ewers goal against Redden in the FA Cup because I was watching Middlesbrough Ladies, so I'm going to scrap that one off because we're not allowed to talk about that. (laughs) Uh, But for me, personally, I think it's um, to come back from cancer the way she has. She hasn't let it get to her or anything. She's just had a smile on her face (laughs) 24-7 and she's just gone on with it. And to me... If anybody's going through cancer, she is the one person to look up to. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I personally voted for that myself. I'm, I'm, I'll out myself voting for that one as the moment of the year. But, I mean, months after knowing about it and then coming back and then obviously getting the clean sheet, the clean sheet doesn't really matter. It's just the context of her coming back. But that just capped off such a great moment for her. And it just shows the character that she has and 
we've said it on this podcast a lot this season she's just a, a massive role model and there's no doubt that's why they call her the boss at the club again the biggest testament that you can pay to Anne is you said that Reading the clean sheet at Reading obviously was 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 the thing that didn't matter it was the fact that she'd come back but actually in Anne's mind that was the big thing you know because she was she was straight back into the focuses on the football and the focuses on helping the team again you know it was it, it's never been about her it's it's always been about getting back playing football and getting back helping blues again that's the moment i voted for as well Anne's return the man city one had a little bit of a fight for second because i think i think the whole you know it was a night game the disappointment of three days earlier going out in the FA Cup, you know, so close to knocking them out the FA Cup, and then three days later under the lights at Solihull, you know, the atmosphere was brilliant, and and the team performance was absolutely brilliant as well. So I think that that gives it a close run, but I'd be I'd be very very surprised if it wasn't if it wasn't Anne coming back. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I think in terms of the team of the year, it's not necessarily a moment; it's a culmination of the moments throughout the season that's got us to that point. Yeah, I think Jess's Jess's England debut. While it's a great moment that she got the debut, it, the fact that she hasn't been hasn't been seen since after like five minutes of action doesn't really it casts a shadow over that moment, I guess. So hopefully, maybe Jess's first goal is going to be that moment that really culminates that England career. Hopefully, mm. yeah. So we're all in agreement. Anne's is the moment of the season that really stands out. In terms of players, this one was really hard to think of, really. There were so many good players. The person that I went for personally for this, might surprise you, was Rachel Williams. I thought Rachel Williams, as Kaz said, really, she's an, an unsung hero of the team. Ellen and her didn't really have much chance to play together since they both joined, rejoined the club. Getting that bond back together and just seeing how it's really galvanised the team. And Williams's movement around the ball and hurrying people is giving Ellen more chances. And I think that deserves uh, some rep, uh, recognition. What about you, Kaz? Who do you think? I was torn between two. Rachel and Megan. I went with Megan just because I think the back four this season, obviously you can't pick more than one. So she's been superb like this season. So, yeah, I give Megan my vote. What about you, Chris? We've both chosen ones I didn't think anyone would pick, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, well, it, do you know what? That just shows, doesn't it, that that actually it's a, it's a really difficult vote this season, the number of players that you could pick from. I think a lot of people will will lean towards Ellen. Her contribution to Blues this season cannot be underestimated. You know, her goals. W- without her goals, we'd be struggling probably the, the, the same amount of goals as we have in previous seasons, you know, but, but her goal-scoring exploits ha- have shot us up the league. Missing two and a half months of the season, obviously that's that's no fault of her own. It may or may not surprise people that I've gone for Hayley Ladd on this one. I'm shocked. <laughs> no, I, I listen, I just think when I'm watching football, I, 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 I'm looking at a midfield, how we can control the game. You know, I like to see teams in control of the game. And, and when Hayley Ladd's playing well and, and we're just giving her the ball and she's, you know, she keeps hold of the ball. It happened again against Arsenal. You know, she so rarely gives it away. And for her first full season, I think she's been crucial to the way we've gone about things. As people fully well know who listen to this podcast, I've been massively impressed all season. So that's who that's who my vote's gone for. 
I think there's a valid argument for Hayley Ladd in terms of the impact she's had from coming into the club. Obviously, she's got the experience of being Bristol City captain before she came here. It's a real big coup for the club for Mark to really pull off the sort of signing for the club. Someone who's been a captain of a different team, willingly to go to a, a team that's more established, I guess, in the in the top league. It makes me in- interested to see what Mark's going to do over the summer, if he can get these sort of names in. Someone who wants to buy into what we're going to do here at Birmingham. It shows that you don't necessarily have to go and splash loads of money on talent from the French League or, or the German League, you know, where there's good players in this WSL. And if you pick right, Mark's got a, a way that he wants to play. He's got an idea of where he wants Blues to be in a year's time, in three years' time, in five years' time. I mean, Kaz spoke to him after Sunderland. You know, that was in January, away at Sunderland. And he was saying... He, that they're working on what they need this summer, you know, so he'll have ideas on what he wants, but it just goes to show that there are, there are hidden gems out there. You know, Emma Follis we've picked up, left Reading, come to us, Hayley Ladd again. There's gems out there. There's, there's really good players in this division and Hayley knows the league. Emma Follis knows this league. You know, they know the players that are in there and, uh, and they're really starting to show their worth. In terms of player of the season, it's, it's a very personal choice, isn't it? You know, I, I love to see midfielders playing well, which is why I've gone for Hayley. You know, people who love attacking football will go for, you know, might go for Charlie or Emma or, or Rachel or Ellen. People who love who love good, strong defence might go for Anne or Aoife or Kez or Megan, you know, or Jess. So whoever is voted player of the season, I don't think there's going to be you know, there's not going to be anybody voted player of the season where we go. I don't think that's very fair. So, you know, it's it's personal choice, it's personal taste, but the way we've gone about the things, in, certainly in the second half of this season, as, you know, any one of them could be named it. Yeah, absolutely. It's all starting to click at Birmingham City. Going on now to our preview of the Chelsea game, which is going to be on the, I think it's the 9th of May. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. The Wednesday, I think. Yeah, Wednesday, the 9th of May. Chelsea are currently top of the WSL 1 table on 32 points, but have played a game more than Manchester City, who are in second, just three points behind. As Chris said after the Chelsea game back in February, this is a very strong side, this Chelsea team. But with the fixtures starting to pile up for them, it could be a great chance for the Blues to catch them out at Kings Meadow. How do you rate our chances, Kaz? Uh, I rate them very highly. Chelsea have had, what is it, three games in the past week? Then they've got yeah. to play Arsenal at Wembley, and then they've got to play us four days later. I don't, I don't think they actually know what's going to hit them. If our team turns up like we did against the other three big teams, I think we could. Even if we nick it one nil, I still think we could do take points off them. What about you, Chris? In, in an ideal world, Chelsea, Arsenal, the FA, the FA Cup final goes to extra time and penalties, and it's a boiling hot day, and it saps the energy out of Chelsea, but. They keep telling us about how tired they are. And the one thing we have showed is that we are, we do not get tired in games. We've outlasted Man City. We've, we've outlasted Arsenal. A number of times over the years, we've, we've played well for 60, 70 minutes. And then, and then these bigger teams with, with, with better facilities have, have caught us out fitness-wise over the last 20 minutes or so. That's not happening. This side is not getting caught out fitness-wise. So if they are tired, if they have played a lot of games and, and they're starting to feel it, then the one team you don't want to play at the moment is us uh, because we, we don't stop going, we don't stop harrying. In certain games, we don't need many chances. And if Ellen's on the form like she was on Sunday, then, then Chelsea might have a shot coming to him. Let's hope so. 
We've been in superb form at Dampton Park this season, but have won just twice away from home. As someone travels a lot uh, home or away, Kaz, what do you think we struggle away? I don't know. It could be a confidence thing, because obviously we've got such a great home record. Like some teams don't like like playing away from home. Uh, so that could be part and parcel. Sometimes they're travelling, because I know the Blues travel on the day instead of like stopping overnight to places. So that could be another problem they might need to look into. Yeah, it's an interesting one to see what different clubs choose to do in terms of travelling to away games. And it's going to be something Mark's going to have to look at, obviously, if our record needs to improve away, because we're not going to be challenging for the title if we're going to drop so many points away. So it'll be interesting to see what happens next season. We haven't lost in our last two. We've won the last three away, actually. I've really... But we lost five in a row before that. OK. It's it's a difficult one because ten teams in the league, you know, so you play nine away games and two of them are on that horrible surface at Liverpool. Well, it, it was Liverpool. You know, so we lost away at Liverpool on that ridiculous surface, you know, in a game that could have gone either way. We've been robbed on the first game of the season away at Arsenal where we were 2-1 up and the referee gave a penalty decision and we lost that. Man City away in the league, we were 1-0 up. The referee gave a penalty again and Kez got sent off, so we were unlucky there. We've come close in away games. You know, we've we've lost games, but we've been in them, do you know what I mean? We've, we, we haven't been, apart from the Sunderland game, which, Sunderland like, like Kaz you. says, you know, we, we, were, we were comfortably beaten that day. And, and that's probably the low point of the season, that game. But, but actually, apart from that, you know, the record's not perfect, but we're in there, you know, we're... We're in these games. We're not getting battered. There's no reason why we why we shouldn't go to Chelsea and believe that we can bring something back. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, as you said, since the defeat to Chelsea, we are on a six-game unbeaten run in the league. Also, Chelsea have lost Crystal Dunn, who played in the previous game, after she returned to the US to play for North Carolina Courage. But as we know, they have a squad to cope with such a loss in talent. With the likes of Gemma Davis and Enia Luko finding it hard to find their way into the first team this season... Mark spoke about how everything went wrong the last time we played Chelsea. Do you see us pulling off what many would describe as an upset? I would definitely say it would be an upset. If we go to their place and beat them, I think everybody would have to look at us and think, how how has it been done? Because they haven't been beaten yet this season, have they? Chelsea. No. If we beat them, it'll wake people up and say, right, we need to start looking at Birmingham. Because some people do see us as, as a laughing club because we haven't got a budget like the rest of the teams in the league. I think it would be a massive wake-up call for the rest of the teams in the league. The last time Blues beat Chelsea away from home was in 2012 thanks to a goal from a familiar face, Rachel Williams. There is more recent hope for Birmingham as their last away meeting with Chelsea ended in a 1-1 draw in 2016 thanks to a rare goal from Frieda Isi who has found it quite hard to get in the team this season but... Maybe, who knows, maybe she'll pop up for the winner. That'd be a moment to savour. Certainly would, yeah. Um, you know, and you mentioned about the strength in depth. There's there's a striker there that has got plenty of WSL experience that, that can't get in the team at the moment. And that's that's all down to how well the front four are doing. I, I think we're a different animal to that, to, you know, to the previous side. You, you, you mentioned that the win back in 2012. I, th- I think we're that animal again, you know, the side that... Actually, teams should really start fearing again. Uh, and like Kaz said, I, you just had to listen to the to the BBC show. You know the the highlight show. We've we've beaten Arsenal three nil at home, 
and all they can talk about is where Ellen White is going to go in the summer. We are not Ellen White FC, you know, as, as good as she is, and she is an integral part of, of how we play. You know, she's she's a massive plus for us, but we, we are not one striker. You know, we, we're, we're a solid outfit. I think if we do pick something up from Chelsea, then, then teams are going to have to start looking at us seriously next season. And before we leave, we'll just have enough time for predictions. As I guess this week, Kaz, I'll let you choose the score first. Uh, I'm going to say 1-0. I think it could be a defender who scores it. Oh. I'm assuming I'm assuming to Birmingham. Yeah, I'm sorry, 1-0 Birmingham. <laughs> How about you, Chris? I'm never as optimistic as Kaz is, um, so I'll have to go... I genuinely do think that we could get something from it. You know, I, I don't think we should fear it, so... I will go nil-nil, seven clean sheets in a row. Okay, Chris has gone for nil-nil and Kaz has gone for a one-nil win for Birmingham. I'm going to go for a repeat of the 2016 tie. I'm going to go for a 1-1 draw. And that's all for this week's show. Thanks to Chris and Kaz for joining me. You can find Chris on Twitter at A-W-C-A-I-B. And for Kaz, that's Team Schroeder, T-E-A-M underscore... S-C-H-R-O-D-E-R. And you can find me at Craig Hadley. That's with a double E at the end. And it's also thanks to Jazar for allowing us to use his song No Control in our intro and outro music. You've been listening to The Great Since 68 podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to us so you can receive the show every single week as soon as it comes out. Just search for Great Since 68 on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and any other podcast platform you may use. If you prefer to listen through SoundCloud, be sure to give us a follow on there so you can get notified every single week when the episode is out. You can also follow the show on Twitter at GreatSynth68. Thanks for listening, everyone, and remember, keep right on. 